Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. What's good? Just gotta turn that off there. Howdy. Greets. Greets to everybody. Hi. Welcome, everybody, to season two, episode 18 of Foot Crowd. Hey, this will, be a, this will be fun. Some good stuff happened this week. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff happened this week. We were talking about it last week. I was like, it's not a lot of news. We were like kind of covering some weird stuff, and we kind of went deep diving into like, how pseudo works and stuff like that. And then like, now it's just like, there are so many different breaches and just horrible things. Um, <laughs> it's exciting. I'm gonna throw our show notes into the chat here. Um, we're also excited to have Wirefall with us. Um, howdy. Evening, afternoon, morning, wherever you are. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I don't know how there are two of you. Yeah, I've cloned myself cool, from the stream. Zoom is very spooky. They're... I assume that anything that bad that happens is just some horrific bug. Yeah, it's just like uh, somebody runs an O-Day live on air. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa Zoom. <laughs> this is the place where that would probably happen. So, um, I hope so. I mean, you know, could to get that thread intel somehow. Yeah, you do. Um, so yeah, um, so we got a lot of stuff to cover. So I'm gonna. Um, does anybody have anything cool to they want to share before we get into the announcements? Yeah, uh, I got one of them them Pernigotchis put nice. together this week. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, it's pretty. I put it together and I touched the thing and then I turned it on and now it's just just burning. Hell yeah. Evil Sockets been doing some is, crazy stuff recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty well put together. There's like a couple of things that, like, um, but I'm, I'm sure that, uh, yeah, he's been doing a really good job and hope to see what comes from it next. I mean, how much there is packaged into that. Yeah, it's like TensorFlow on a friggin' Raspberry Pi with an e ink screen of your choice. Like, <laughs> well, also like the 802.11 communication. Like yeah, it's all the up. custom 802.11 stuff for near nearby communication. 
application and like the pwn mail and pwn grid stuff oh yeah the whole back end of its stuff uh, is is there as well it's like insane knock this out in like a really short time frame too <laughs> yeah you really did oh you know what i forgot to update this hold on one second <laughs> oh it still says episode 17. Yeah, shout out to the background. This is a uh, pulls by Rolla. R Rolla. Uh, we talked about this uh, last week for a second. About um, this is like a what two hundred and no, how big is it? It's two hundred and fifty-six byte DOS demo. It's insane. It's like this whole three D engine that's just in two hundred fifty-six bytes of assembly. I don't want to um, disassemble that. Have fun. Yeah, good luck. Actually, this this demo here um, introduced like some new tricks to DOS demos themselves for like initializing stuff that saves like a ton of time when you do demos. And it's just like this guy just dropped this demo, and then just it was like, also this trick in it. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, look it up. Pulls by Rolla. Um, but hell yeah, though. Um, Ponagachi. Mm, got it. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Um. So I got some announcements to make here. So we got a few things going on. Um, the first one is we are having a 24 hour charity event like we did last year where we had um, 24 hours of CTS. But this time we have a pretty ridiculous idea. Um, it's a 24 hour charity hackathon. It's based on Chopped, the uh, Food Network show where you get like random ingredients and you have to like do stuff like a lot of those shows are similar. We have like a bunch of weird secret ingredients in very short periods of time. Um, so you're gonna have 24 hours to do things. Um, and so if you look in the show notes, um, you can submit ideas for the challenge. Um, and so the goal is to basically do something like, um, oh, hold on, that's the team sign up. Oh man, I might've flipped or switched the, oh man, hold on one second. Oh, you've acted. It's been yeah. acted. <laughs> I put the same link twice. Hold on. So I'm going to update this in the show notes later. Sorry. Um, this here, the link is, is, is in this is this link. Um, I'm going to throw this back here. Oh, wait, this is the edit button. Damn it. <laughs> Hold on. Now it's really hacked. Yeah, edit. really hacked. You won't be able to edit it, but this link. Okay, there we go. Um, okay. So <laughs> this here is the um, the link to to submit stuff to um, the actual hackathon. So basically, the idea is they're going to have teams of people that are going to um, be working on this project, and it's going to be like every single it's like a Mad Lib, and so it's going to be randomly generated when we um, start the um, the stream, and so it'll be like a blank that blank and uses like blank, blank, and blank. And so there's examples like a Bitcoin API that tweets whale emojis at John McAfee and uses Scratch, Docker, and a custom kernel module. Um, things like this. Um, online sloth that locks your computer and lets you take a break and uses like Borland Turbo Pascal and SQLite and uh, Node.js. So yeah, basically anybody who has any really weird things that they'd wanna see people try to use um, in, a like in a competitive way, um, definitely submit to this because it's going to be hilarious. Um, so we're going to do it for charity, though. We're doing it for Extra Life, um, which benefits the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Um, 
It's going to be a 24 hour stream. Halfway through the stream, we're going to drop the third ingredient that they have to make. And then the winners will be announced later on at some point. Um, but you can donate money. All the information is on those, um, those two forms there. And if you want to sign up as well, um, click either of the links in the show notes because they both lead to the team sign up. Um, so yeah, anybody's in here who is interested and wants to test their might um, with some really obscure things that people suggest from the internet. Um, we uh, we had a little bit of confusion on that though. Uh, so between the chopped and the IoT CTF. Yeah, so we're gonna have to postpone the IoT CTF. Um, so we had. We had in the works an IoT CTF, which we had not really announced that much, and we're going to do it for the November 2nd stream. Um, but it's it's actually a lot more complicated than we thought to emulate like 15 different IoT devices and make them vulnerable and make it scalable and also create like uh, these C2 servers um, and a whole game server. We have a lot of it done, but there's a lot more to kind of um, work out. And so we have been working together. Shout out huge. Shout out to Ilya, um, or Drabliakos, I think, in the, is that his name on Twitter? I forget. Ilya, though, in our chats. Ilya, he, um, he has uh, done a significant amount of work, also shout out to Cedric as well, um, for uh, emulating a ton of different vulnerable IoT devices. Like, each one of these things that they've done already is, like, worthy of, like, a whole class on how to do this sort of thing um, for, like, a... a an exploit development class, but this is like being scaled out like a lot. We also have a perfectly, um, perfectly contained uh, malware C2 in a Docker container that would be anybody who's playing will be able to use. But yeah, we are, um, we're going to be postponing it though, and we're gonna be looking for sponsors because we're actually going to need a lot more infrastructure um, and just general sort of uh, of things to sort out. Stuff in like a, a setting like that. Um, so we're still working that out. We'll have more information about that at some point in the future. Um, if you want to get involved with that though, you can definitely DM at ICTF on Twitter. Uh, we have uh, Twitter for that and we're gonna be getting that stuff together soon. Um, but yeah, so for anybody who does want to help out, if you want to participate or if you just want to be a part of the madness, um, hit us up as well for the chopped thing big big shout out to comrade evie for coming up with this idea we wanted to make something that she um they had come up with the uh a couple of different like ideas for this sort of thing and we're just gonna rock through all of them so that's the one thing these we i i'm trying to get people to help us create show notes um so i've been creating the show notes for like a year and a half and I make new show notes every week, and I would like uh, assistance, I guess, or at least to open it up to people who would want to make something the way that, that we do, or make something completely different um, in ways to present this kind of content to people. Um, so if you are interested, you can hit me up on Twitter at NetFooky. Yeah. And the last announcement that we have is Wait. that we have a new chat challenge out, and it's been out for almost a week now, and no one has solved it yet. Um, but the entry point to it is in, the show notes um, at the top of the page. So if you want to get hacking, um, I would definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah. Just check the uh, check the the place where you'll be at the end, and uh, it's, it's looking pretty bare. Yeah, I even checked this like canary um, <laughs> that I had set up for it, and it has not been triggered yet. 
Um, so yeah, it's um kind of surprised actually. I thought somebody would eventually get it, but I don't know. This is the longest that somebody's gone without solving one of our challenges. Well, and, and if you uh, if you're gonna DM anywhere and keep asking for the Discord, there's not one. This is it. This is what you. This is it. <laughs> this is this is what what you're looking for. So <laughs> Discord. Yeah, we do not have a Discord. Um. <laughs> oh and yes, I, I just saw this. Uh, Asler XO perfectly contained his famous last words. Yes. <laughs> not bad. I'm not helping you out with the show notes to you. I. I, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to asking ANSI and I never can finish anything on time. <laughs> yeah, see, I've, I've perfected the, the art of do everything in an hour, it looks okay, and that's good. It's, I've been, I'm, it's, doing it show looks notes okay. has helped me not be as much of a perfectionist because I, I can't afford to. Um, so <laughs> I just do it and then, yeah, it takes me like an hour or two, but it's still a lot though. I want to make, I want to have like good quality content. So they're just doing the same sort of thing over and over yeah. again. I mean, we curate the links separately from making this. Yeah, you, you won't have to. to, to yeah, you won't have to do the the, the links if you do um, do the show notes um, because we have bots that do it for us. Or the aggregate can help us actually. No, no, well, we don't have any bots. What are we talk about it. Oh yeah, we gotta have at least three Safari, a member of Thug Crowd. Everybody knows. <laughs> a member, you need to be indoctrinated. We jump you in literally with a jump instruction, and uh... <laughs> it's a short jump, negative one bytes. Um, so the yeah, there's also a lot of cool stuff in Safari if you uh, want to check it out. There's been a lot of activity, almost more than I could put in here because there's some things that were too interesting. It's its own but yeah check out um the idrak dorks and that x sun mobile <coughs> probably the most it looks like a postgres thing and, and also um zero your shodan dark mode is in there as well yeah that's the black hat version of oh, shodan yeah. for anyone who doesn't know black hats only use dark mode and now they're allowed to use shodan too true story thank you <laughs> thanks xr all right, so we have a lot of news to cover. So let's jump right into it with NordVPN. Oh. This was awesome. They are going to get <laughs> absolutely so flogged in this part of the show. Yeah, so NordVPN, the saga of this started out with that tweet that they did that said uh, you can't, it was, it read like a dollar VPN, like a, like a, like a budget dollar VPN club tweet that said that you can't get hacked if you use a VPN basically and but it was it was like y'all y'all won't get hacked if you're using a vpn dog like they yeah. were trying yeah no. it was oh. like <laughs> hold up we're about to get a a guest twitch appearance oh nice from a certain vpn provider oh awesome um so they tweeted out that tweet though uh, and then my favorite part was the report from kexec that just said hey not our work but you guys have been pwned for a while and then just dropped like a link to a, a leak of all of their private keys, which was already posted publicly, but then it, they made it more public, I guess, by replying to that tweet. But then a bunch of people saw that and then were like, oh shit, all of these private keys for search were just leaked, as well as the fact that somebody apparently had root access on some production box of theirs. And then they had to dial back their, their initial tweet, delete it, and then they 
have to now address this aspect of it. So, yeah. My favorite I, was when CryptoStorm came through with the citations. Yes. <laughs> what a no, people, people really went in, though, because, I mean, NordVPN and a lot of other VPN providers, I mean, they just, they have, that's why, like, VPN Club was a thing, was because of the sort of providers that say things like that. But then the fact that they actually, on top of that, already have a security incident that's happened a long time ago and people are just still using their service like i don't know but this is the straight case of uh, uh we're unhackable you know the unhackable contain it's perfectly content like military grade like using all these buzzwords you're basically saying to people who can break into you lol you can't break into us and like they didn't want to but they don't want to do it for the money they didn't care about and most of the time, I will not trust a VPN that doesn't log. That that's mean there's no IDS. Yeah, that you know we don't log anything. It's like uh huh, yeah. And then there's a subpoena, and there's like every log. Um, <laughs> most insulting thing to me in this whole thing was didn't didn't at one point they say something like it was just one server. Like we only have those only one node out of like eight. Yeah, it was an isolated incident. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and then they went into excuse. into mad like dat boy backpedaling mode, and it's like, okay, but what really happened then? Because it was either one node or you guys got totally goofed on. Yeah, I, I mean, well, even if it's one node, if you're grabbing keys for for certs and what, and also somebody has rooted it, it's, I mean, there's it's pretty much game over in, in that kind of scenario when your whole thing relies on you being able to encrypt web traffic that's what you do that's like what your service actually is but it's also what i, I found really amusing is like, like the, you know they've always said that they're military grade they're on tv saying they're military grade and i guess they are um <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> everything is hackable just a matter of time and resource right uh i don't know i, I found it funny like so um Miss Twitch herself, like the Amaranth ASMR girl, literally has like, so I don't know what she has anything to do with internet security, but uh, she, she does have like a Nord VPN, like on her Twitch stream on the video, like over. Oh, yeah, that, that's fucking widespread well, now. With the, a lot of people YouTubers do. And shit to promote their shitty VPN. But yeah. They, but like what they have these people aren't security experts they're not even like it pros they're not they don't even assemble their own computers it's like let me yeah. just sell the vpn no i mean there's a lot of I, so i watch a good amount of youtube stuff and that's like my least favorite part and it makes me like not really respect the people who are making the content when they're like all right, all right so before i get into this uh you know top 10 anime betrayals I gotta tell you about NordVPN, and then they just start saying stuff that they—they're—they're they're like almost worse than a marketing person because they are not informed at all, and they're just getting paid for their livelihood on YouTube, and so they're just saying like weird stuff, like they're, you know, like this will protect you from hackers, everybody like your ex, like all this stuff like that. Come on, who's typing uh, that? You almost can you? Uh, meet that mic. <laughs> I'm also like okay. slapping them keys. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, my bad. <laughs> No worries, um, but yeah, but yeah it's, it's, it's tough because that when you have that sort of that sort of like community advertisement as like one part of your, your core advertisement to people, that is what spreads a lot of the disinformation that becomes canon with a lot 
Yeah, and basically people got a false conception of security. Everything is hackable. I prefer a provider that's going to have transparency, that's going to tell, oh, this happened, instead of lying about everything. Yeah. I think well, though, like, here's what the thing in, in yeah. retrospect, too, you, on, you only get one chance to do the kind of message that you need to do in a breach like this. You know, like, I, I don't know that anybody ever really expected Nord, NordVPN was going to be uncompromised perpetually, but <clears throat> like you have you have an issue like this and you royally just screw up the way that they did on the messaging mm-hmm. and you put a lot you take a lot of the confidence that you had and just burn it just right there yeah i think there are a lot of that probably yeah there's no customers. going back a lot of the customers aren't going to switch because they'll be like oh yeah but i already have a vpn yeah it's fixed now i never had like they didn't read anything they probably, you know, probably didn't read those tweets and they just maintain a, a large part of their customer base because they're the people who have been watching youtube yeah, yeah and a lot of time people like they're gonna just gonna trust what is written on the website yeah and then yeah you're not gonna google which vpn provider is the safest because all of them protect you from uh they protect you from identity theft uh, they protect you from credit card fraud. Um, I don't know what else to be. <laughs> what the fuck, credit card fraud? That's stupid. Yeah. They protect you from Wi-Fi hacking. <laughs> Why? They protect you from uh, car accidents. Those reasons are so stupid. They protect you from getting canceled on Twitter. They pre- yeah, so. yeah. Shadow. You'll never get shadow banned if you use. Right. Basically, <laughs> they just obfuscate your location. Yeah. <laughs> They protect yeah. me and 4chan, yes. Um, yeah, so, no, there's 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 a lot of disinformation about it. It's really tough to get the messaging out, especially because when you're in the circles like we are, we're really preaching to the choir. Like, nobody in, in our chats is not technical. Yeah, you know? like, like you guys here, have a fucking atmos paranoid with everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so... But I, know, I know the thug crowd Twitter account, you know, recommended here's how to easily set up your own VPN, and that's great for anybody with any technical acumen but a large majority of people who are trying to use these don't even have that you know one of the the recommendations i had i may have inadvertently recommended nordvpn at some point not by name but that they operate out of panama which basically there isn't a mandatory data retention law and there are no extradition basically they say fuck you to the u.s yeah uh, whenever supposedly um so that was that's a positive uh what will we recommend say oh yeah, but, but that can be used against the user as well i think uh so you know because what, what are we going to recommend if, if 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 you say no you're stupid for using this because they had bad marketing or whatever uh yeah. you know well, what's the average user supposed to do yeah I think for an so, average user looking at something like um uh, like rise up or you know one, one of the they explain exactly what they do like there's a yeah a rise up and it's not even their product yeah i mean you're not gonna again you're gonna see what are these people getting out of using a vpn like what are they really like you know oh, i'm not gonna get ddos on xbox live and my ping's gonna be shit but um is that what they're really after like why yeah. you know i, don't, I, really I think that's that sort of thing though is what is lost on a lot of people who think because of marketing they need a vpn for whatever reason 
And while it's not, it's like, yeah, we did share um, a, a links to setting up your own VPN and that's great for some people, but yeah, it's definitely not realistic for the average user who just wants privacy, but isn't necessarily a computer person. But what's, I think the most insidious thing about all this is the yeah, but the, the now has actually ruined a lot of the ability for people to yeah, actually but get information. Those company abuse of a mistake that ISP do, they, they sell their customer information mm -hmm. that doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, either way. The moral of the story here is that Dollar VPN Club has uh, a new gap in the market, I think is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think it's important to remember that um, when like you already, so who can see your traffic in like, you know, the case of VPNs, like, yeah, the VPN endpoint and whatever's coming through, all right, your ISP can't, but your ISP has your docs and your ISP, like you literally pay them money and they have a connection. Yeah, but it's not only that, the DNS is in plain text, there's a lot of shit, like your DNS could get poisoned, but yeah, that's not the problem of average people. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you're an average, if you're an average user, there are scenarios where it's better to not use a VPN, just yeah. use your regular ISP because it's their job. Like that, you know, not that they're good at it, but that's not also to say that looks like, as we've seen right here, that these paid VPN services aren't any better at securing a network than your ISP are. Yeah. yeah. I think what's, what's tough is that it's hard for the average user to know what the, like the rubric is for a trustworthy VPN service, right? Because people are <clears> saying, <throat> I want privacy, I want security, I don't want to pay a lot of money. And those kinds of things are the driving factors to what make their choices. And so then when something comes along, yeah. it says like, oh, for like a dollar or, or whatever, you can get unlimited, you know, DDoS protection and like, you know, your-, your Yeah, this, this reminds me antivirus market. Yeah. I mean, it's the same sort of thing, but like that's what's tough is just hard to fight the disinformation of marketing because marketing people have a budget and we are just here. Yeah, and there's money involved. Yeah, the, the so it's it's very difficult to, to to actually recommend something to somebody. Even people that I know that aren't very technical, but are like my friends and family, it's it's hard for me to say what to what to do. You know. Well, the thing that's interesting to me is that I think that people have an understanding that <clears throat> VPN is something that they might want. You know, like that wasn't a market that really existed before what five years ago, like it to the yeah. scale that it exists today. So I think this is something. That but whether there's you're right there's no there's like a sliding scale of security but that doesn't that nuance doesn't exist for the people who are in this market like they yeah want something but then Stephen again like there's reliable. there's some of my friends who don't care about that they just go want a netflix on the computer <laughs> that's all they're gonna yeah. do Random people yeah. don't think about threat modeling, you know, like the person who's gotten hyped into marketing that decides that they need a VPN doesn't really have the like steps in mind of what is bringing them to this consensus. We're in like a society right now that's very reactionary. Everything that we see is like fear driven and paranoia driven. It seems Yeah, like. they, that's what the, the gov want. If you and, fear, and, you know, VPN providers drive, are, are a simple like, solution that you can roll out across a bunch of virtual servers. And then all you have to worry about is shilling that service to random people. And then you start making money. I mean, the idea that like 
this was an isolated incident with NordVPN's real funny because you know if they're really doing this service at scale that this is going to be deployed the exact same configuration on n number of machines out there. So if someone was able to root one of them, I mean, there's nothing stopping that person from rooting all of them, you know? Yeah. What up, Ansible? Where the puppet at? <laughs> Where the puppet at? Forget um, threat modeling. The average person has no situational awareness, period. Yeah, that's the thing. People are kind of brainwashed. Oh, I need this. Oh, I, I don't need that. But in reality, it just doesn't understand the technology. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, yeah, it's it's really sort of like our job. Is yeah, and... Uh, Again, another thing, people are going to use VPN, but their DNA is going to be in plain text. A lot of the clients these days are just like wrapped up, packaged, uh, uh, open VPN clients, right? Like so most of these are? Yeah, I don't even use Go open on. VPN anymore. Wire guard is twice faster. Seems like everyone's doing those IPsec open swan installs. Well, I, I just do like multi up WarGuard VPN. Like IP table. Swan. I'm good. Strong swan and open swan is like wrecking. <clears throat> like all those IPsec clients are just like mad painful. Yeah, I don't do that at home. Fuck off. It's painful. I'm way too lazy. It also is not compatible with. <laughs> A lot of what I've been needing it for, so can't use yeah. it. Yeah, too too much of a pain for nothing. I, of course, if you have like VLAN, multiple machine, okay, IPsec might be a good idea, but on the own network where you you got just your Wi-Fi, your wired connection, that's a bit too much. Yeah. Oh, so um, we're kind of, it's a 10 o'clock now, so we should maybe get into the second news item here. Um, Let's go. VPN, which Red is also VPN, VPN companies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the next one also has to do with the VPN. Um, but this is a vast who said that people had breached their internal network through a compromised VPN profile. So this one is interesting because this is a second attempt at hacking CCleaner. Um, so CCleaner... <laughs> was backdoored, uh, was it two years ago? Uh, the builds were poisoned and um, they pushed out a build that I forget what exactly it did, but I know it was malicious. Um, I thought Basically, uh, their keyword was um, compromised so yeah. they could push updates. Yeah, so they, this is the second time that this has happened again. I don't know, this doesn't seem like it was actually, like actually breached or actually um, like maliciously poisoned, but yeah, this has happened twice now. And it's an interesting target because I want to know who's using CCleaner that they know uses CCleaner. <laughs> you know? It's like a it's like a lot of work. That's stupid, but there's probably millions of machine with the fucking software installed. Yeah, I mean it's just it's tough because this now like it, it so it seems that the the response that they had to this, right? Like we're changing all their signing keys and changing user passwords and everything, there was still a way to get back in because they had taken other ways of getting onto um, you know, the corporate VPN here. And yeah, I mean that's 
that's a pretty nightmare scenario because you don't know what else kind of data they have and what they might have taken to have persistence again. Um, so, yeah, data. People don't realize how much data works. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's like suspected to be Chinese state-sponsored APT shit. Um, <laughs> like, so I guess the target in mind, <laughs> like profiled and recon their target, decided that they, like, well, you know, come to the conclusion that they uh, definitely use this and it's, it's worth compromising like the whole CCleaner uh, platform in order to get to their targets. Yeah. Um, like, does this come with a VAS? Like, I, I don't know shit. I don't know. I, I used to use CCleaner because I'm not good at Windows. And when I'm like, there's a lot of junk files. I just yeah, Windows is fucking complicated too. Yeah. But so, oh, no, I always like that kind of software, but then I like have stopped recommending it to people because of problems like this. But yeah, it's just an interesting thing that this specific program has been targeted because Avast makes a lot of other projects as well. If you're already in that sort of network, I mean, I guess if you know what that, that the sort of build pipeline looks like, that might be an easier target, but it's interesting. So, so I, I wonder if this is like, CCleaner is, is really like truly loved by a lot of people who maintain endpoints and maybe don't have the kind of security yeah, well, apparatus if? that they might need. So this is the kind of thing that ends up on a gold disc and then ends up in like every machine mm -hmm. in an enterprise. So. Wouldn't I wonder if their stock did drop before the act, because they, maybe they, they can do do this to their own company themselves. First, they will gather clicks. Two, if they did something under low, you never know. Yeah. I mean, do you I mean, it's definitely. Oh, sorry. What are you? Do you trust the? I was going to say, like, yeah, trusting vendors and stuff. It's always difficult when you're installing trusted software into. If you can't read the fucking code, don't execute it. Yes. Um, I'll see you in. Sadly, most computer computer users can't read the code of any application, whether they have it or not. Yeah, all 26 million lines of the Linux kernel. Read no, it. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> Start with the manual. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's no, why we, we need Redux. We just have to have it programmed into our brains. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. It's it, interesting though. Um, to see this sort of thing is still happening with CCleaner, and I guess don't use it. I don't know. Hopefully, someone just has a cool PowerShell script that just does it for you instead. Um, so we can go on to the next uh, story here too. Um, this is. Feds busting um, one of the dark web's biggest child porn sites thanks to tremendously bad OPSEC. So if you hadn't seen the story earlier, um, the DOJ put out a bunch of stuff or they put out an announcement about um, shutting down this website. It's insane that this person had this whole operation and they were using their real name and phone number and credit card to uh, take out stuff on an American uh, Bitcoin exchange. What? Oh, Atmos, can you turn off your mic? Thanks. <laughs> it's like you're just opening a bunch of cans of soda. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, the person who had ran this site had um had used their like real name and information to cash out payments for this website. 
that's I, I, it just well, it becomes like it was, it, was a, it was a JavaScript uh, issue, wasn't it, on the main page that allowed them to get the IP addresses of several of them that were in the range, and it was in South Korea, correct? Yeah, yeah. So they're able to basically enumerate like through that, through Bitcoin payments, and ultimately through the fact that the person had been using their real information to put to receive payments for this. It's just pretty insane. Um, but I mean, like, fuck them. I'm glad it came down. Uh, it's insane that that was like the reason. Why. And on on the uh, the announcement, did you see the uh, the reporter that had received a tip? Basically, I think it was two years prior. Had been holding it the whole time um, yeah. because the hacker group that had notified him, you know, they couldn't access the site to verify it, of course, for reasons. Um, but it actually ended up being legitimate that, but they were there six months after evidently the, uh, the feds had started their investigation. But I think it really goes to show the concern of vigilante, vigilanteism, uh, that mm -hmm. could have completely destroyed the entire investigation. Yeah. And that's like the, the tough part with stuff like this is, a, you know, it's already inherently fucked up and then people are going to want to take action against it. And so anybody who does find something in there you know if you're security minded and also have morals and want to fuck up this sort of thing it's you know trivial if you're going to do so but burn them alive oh how did you get what <laughs> i just hope yeah, FBI like, can actually uh get these guys this time because they don't have a great track record the last few years yo you fucking catfish one and chuck his balls i mean that's Wait, so like that's one of the one of the problems though is like these investigations go for some time right so <clears throat> the feds might be watching the whole time mm. and vigilante hacker comes along though and and like you know puts their foot in the investigations and like rm's one of these guys or whatever and now that evidence was just about to make sure someone goes to jail forever uh disappears so it's like once like i know a lot of people are drawn towards like just taking them down themselves, like sitting on it for two years is a long time to sit on it. Um, but I guess like police got to do police. Yeah. Anyway, they can do, if they bust like a smaller one, they probably just going to waste their whole investigation. Yeah. And you know what? I'm when police are doing this work, it makes me a whole lot happier than when they're chasing security research. Oh, so, for but, sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I just hope that they don't have the same issue that happened during the playpen investigation because that was just I personally I thought that, that was pretty I thought that was pretty sloppy. So what happened during that? So this is a couple of years ago. They were doing an investigation on a similar kind of like child porn forum. And I, I if I remember correctly, they co-opted it. So they did like a takedown of the infrastructure and just made it, they, they put their own added value onto it. And then they used, uh, they, they used their own proprietary exploit and payload to um, compromise people who would go to the site. So, and this is all, I'm doing this from memory. So I don't know how much of the detail I'm getting perfectly accurately said here, but they, they ended up taking these guys to a couple guys to court. And when the defense demanded to see um, 
the copies of the exploit and payload that they used, <coughs> FBI provided the payload that they called the network investigative tool, but not the exploit. And so they had to, they ended up having to throw out the whole case because the defense like, you know, demanded to see a part of their investigative technique and they wouldn't give it up. Shit. That sucks. For, from my understanding on this one is there's there's no doubt that, I mean, they, they took down this South Korea operator. Uh, it was being hosted in his bedroom. So there's no issue on on that. As far as the, the Johns go, um, I think that was the Bitcoin correlation, right? So they were, they were correlating Bitcoin transactions with that. Yeah. It wasn't actually an exploit. Yeah, good. So it sounds like the target is different for this one than it was for the playpen because they're actually targeting the visitors. What I like about this uh, story, though, is that uh, they've made it perfectly clear that Bitcoin transactions are not private, and the ledger is public, you fools. Absolutely. But, uh... It's always been, too. <laughs> it's always been, yeah, but... It, it's uh there's lots of great stuff hidden in the public ledger so like too so many good ascii's so many good pings that it's it's filled with joy and wonder uh there's also some terrible things hidden in there as well but uh i think isn't there an ascii image of kaminsky correct (laughs) there's uh actually there's virus signatures in there as well just to make sure like I'm pretty sure the the blockchain, it's like the Bitcoin blockchain. If you if you sync it, at one point it was uh, RMing certain people's wallets and stuff. Um, yeah, that was the greatest move ever that someone just threw out there. They were mad that they lost a bunch of crypto, so they got those signatures in there. So I, I forget it was like three out of five major AV vendors were just removing anything from the ledger completely off people's computers. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Yeah, that was pretty early. That was that was a good one. <laughs> Imagine the person like fucking looking at his, at his computer, his old money just got fucking RM. Shit. Thanks, McAfee. <laughs> um, yo, let's move on to let's skip over this other story. Um, to because we're kind of running long on time here for the news and talk about this botnet that made a or $115,000 in five months from those sextortion emails. So the people who yep. are behind those emails, <laughs> those emails have, um, they made a pretty decent chunk of change from doing that. So if anybody hasn't seen it before, basically this email that says that they've, you visited a naughty website and I had your webcam on and I recorded you and I'm gonna send it to everybody in your contacts. And it's just like, so stupid and it says like send like four hundred dollars in bitcoin to this address oh that's what let me look that up was that tape sound amos was uh taping together his fat stacks from this campaign right <laughs> <What's this>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i the guess band money so yeah i mean that's the that's a good band amount of money with the from DNS. That, because they they were only asking for like what is that 400 or something like that i think a little bit less than that um which is a, a decent amount of people because they they spammed these all over the place. I I had an e- one of my emails had so many of them that were just I don't know they had probably the same email list that they were just sending them out to. Um, but yeah, these emails were pretty prevalent for a while and very annoying. And we need a Krebs law for this. 
What the fuck? What the fuck is that? That's Krebs laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, this song was, was propagated through, through malware. Um, it was pretty interesting, too. Um, and, yeah, so this is definitely... I don't know if you're trying to make $115,000 in five months. I guess that's one way to do it. No, but then what, what, what's the lost opportunity cost? Uh, you know, if it's burning malware or, or whatever, $100,000 really isn't that much. What could they have been doing? You know, uh, It was like an old campaign that had been around for a long time, and they took another older piece of malware and pulled it in. It was like yeah. a, a public Trojan that had been around a long time. They just yeah, they refactored their code and brought in like another piece of malware as a library asset. And they were like <clears> grabbing <throat> the user's window password and like showing it in the email to somebody or someone. Uh, so it was like a scare tactic in the second version. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I mean, that's all it takes is this. You put the put the, like the fear into the you know into the target, and all of a sudden they're doing backflips. Yeah, you gotta drive to earn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had a guy this week who uh, he's gonna be smashing pots for a while trying to find some rupees. Um, <laughs> rupees, uh, some story of Arul. Oh. Arul sweater. Yeah, if you did have a if you did have a botnet of this size, you definitely could make uh, probably more money doing something other than extortion. Yes, especially when you you're terrible at it. Right. <laughs> Spam tech career. Absolutely. Um, so this next story here, um, also pretty interesting too. It's more of a I'm in the good read section, but this is about. Um, phone companies that or this phone company mpc that was just run by a gang and this is the only <laughs> thing that I, I always suspect with the privacy companies the phone companies is that they're just run by criminals because who else can fund like a cell network and like other things like that that you would need um for perfect privacy on sketchy custom nexus and blackberries but they had like dual boot modes and they had like like physically removed cameras and stuff like yeah that's kind there of, was stuff a lot of r and d that went into it yeah like i actually would like to get a phone without a camera sometimes and like without you know without listening like siri or at google listening 24 7. That's why I don't own phone because that's not a phone. That's the tough part, though, is that when you buy those kinds of things, you don't know what horrible uh, syndicate. That, that's the thing. Like, if they were selling me a smartphone, I will get one. But that's not a phone. Yeah, I mean, like, this whole thing was basically just goes through the the history of these phones. Um, it's a pretty long read. Um, I miss my Nokia. For real, you can get it back. I mean, at the same time, though, you still have, you can still like do it's not great. from the, from the, uh, from the towers anyway, like from the cell towers, like something like, it doesn't have to be on the client that to get the details, I guess, like tracking people from, uh, for, like from even just like the cell they're connected to when they make a call or, you know, or when they ping the tower, like being totally inactive. So I guess the yeah. moral of the story. Well, yeah. let's say that like, just the tower and everything, the 5G, 4Gs, LTE, all those fucking network are flowered, like, by design. It's stupid. Yeah, just, 
Just take your phone and leave it at home and then go do your crime in person. I don't have a phone. <laughs> so it's How crime do you call your Uber when you're done with your crimes? True. Was, How do you call your home? I was a big fan of this, uh, this part of the story where the, a British hitman got caught with his phone because of uh, location, location data from his fitness device. Yes, that's the best part. It's just like you got cinched out by your like Fitbit. Linux yeah. on my Fitbit. That's some serious business though. They like sure. they like car bomb this dude <laughs> like to you know get back to them for it. So yeah, well, it's a, a definitely an interesting story if you want to follow up. It's like a gun it. to the back of his head, and then the guy didn't pull the trigger and like ran away. There's like surveillance footage of it. Like some yeah, at least he, he didn't act Amazon for Prime. Ill sick. Yeah. Uh, so we should move on to the next one. Yeah, we should move on to the next next one, which is Equifax used admin as a username and password for sensitive data. This is coming out of their lawsuit, their class action lawsuit. Um, so part of the lawsuit, <clears throat> Equifax employed the username admin and the password admin to protect a portal to manage credit disputes, a password that is a surefire way to get hacked. It's a lawsuit. Oh, it is wrong? All right, let me change my password. Yeah, I think uh, I think you may have hacked Equifax in a CTF, like any CTF that you've ever played. <laughs> I mean, I'm certain a lot of CTFs are definitely a bit harder than that. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's another just sad detail out of this, and hopefully but, Equifax does get I'd, I'd there. I'd like to ask the question of of why, why was it admin admin? Was it you know did it just had not been hardened, or um, the 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 biggest hack basically I've had in my professional career was twenty one million names, socials, date of birth, everything basically you need for uh, compromise from an Oracle server connected to the internet with default credentials. Now, there were like eight or nine servers that were um, providing services for this, this application. Only one was vulnerable. And the reason was, was because um, it had had an issue and, and crashed. So they restored from backup. Mm -hmm. But the backup had been done before the hardening. Oh. You know, so there, there could be a multiple processes that, that mm -hmm. contribute to this. It may not be that they just don't have hardening. You know, th th there could be a lot more details, I think, than just oh, saying, absolutely. oh, they suck because they did admin, admin. Well, I think that mm. we all kind of came to the conclusion, or at least I think many of us did, that there's just a a culture of bad security, like, baked into Equifax after the breach. I mean, if, yeah. you're, a, if you're a sysadmin, though, and you get told, hey, put this, put this box up, and you put it up, and then you've got 25 other things to do and you just forget about it. Like it's, it's not uncommon. No, it is true. I mean, how many tickets have you left, left uh, to, to rot on accident? Cause you were like tired already and like burning right. out and you're just like, Oh shit, I forgot to change yeah. the password. On the but that's like the one guy. That's like what auditing is for. And that's like a, probably a lot of their problems could have been avoided if they had actually gone through the process of doing something like auditing. Yeah, that's true too. Well, and the the, the, the restore from backup, like I think, is is one of the unique. The, the restore from backup, I think, is one of the unique ones because I mean, if you look at PCI requirements, you're required to have another pen test after any quote significant change to the environment. Yeah. Well, it's restoring from backup a significant 
change. It doesn't, for most organizations, I think they'd say no, but in this case, that's what allowed the, the compromise, you know? Yeah, that'd be a configuration change. So Yeah, I would yeah. say like restoring from backup, you would assume would be restoring to a point uh, after the test. But at the same time, I think there's definitely been like tests. Yeah, that people have done where um, there's not a and maybe they didn't test every single like login screen because they only had time to test like 50, like you know 50 out of 100 servers or whatever yeah. it's like yeah. you know, it's a five day five day window it's like a shitload of apps and it's you're the guy because they're going to pass pci and they're going to pass pci they're not going to fail it because they got money the dss like yep. specifically says that it has to be like a standing infrastructure that like you get that infrastructure pen tested and then it stands till your next penetration test but like in today's cloud-driven market, it's like completely infeasible since the servers aren't bare metal a lot of the time these days, anyways. So like, I wonder oftentimes, yeah. like, how would serverless a stay environment? Yeah, like, how how do you get around that kind of stuff? I think it comes down to the fact that it's like when you get one of these audits, it's like a whirlwind affair where like they come in, they do the penetration test, you show them all the stuff, you give them all your logs, they they look at what you give them and they say, yep, you met all the requirements. But like, if there are a hundred other servers that they don't find or scans or whatever because you hide them really well or something like that, like the auditors, it's not like they do their best too, just like everybody else. And if, if you don't show all of your hand, no one's going to really know what's all there. And I, I often wonder like the accreditors probably, it's a service that you pay for more than a service that you earn a lot of the times, especially when you're a huge business like Equifax. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's the same Apache Whisk install, right? They're not the same functions, but that's fine. And like standing infrastructure, I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me anyways, because if you are doing your due diligence and you're patching and you're adding new updates when when vulnerabilities come out and you're you're making changes to those systems and you know every new piece of code that comes in a new vulnerability comes out of that code so it's like a constant like repeating process that goes on if anything like pci audits should be happening not like twice a year they should be happening quarterly or or monthly or whatever as like an ongoing well you should always have like some audit day rule and mail incoming you should be like stig compliant on all your bugs that, that's something if rule are not placed it's not because something did reset that's because there were not like proper rule in place yeah i think with a lot of infrastructures code stuff as well um it's very easy to see what you want but in in the configuration but you often miss uh what you don't want being left in configuration you know, after your uh your your elite ansible script is run maybe it didn't configure everything well, that's like, why you know, like a, like a usual, uh, yeah. Packages don't finish installing all the way you expect them to with like self-healing infrastructures and in air quotes or whatever. I mean, a new server could come up and not fully that. People don't often put like catches in those things that say like, if this didn't complete or this didn't meet all this criteria, I want you to try again. And after so many times, like kill myself off and try and launch another server. A lot of the time the script is just procedural, like run these commands and your script, you're, I'm ready to go as long as port 80 is up or whatever. Yeah, you didn't like one variable 
for like uh, like standard error and you completely miss a thing with like Ansible or some other configuration thing. There's so many different things that can go wrong in like enterprise stuff like this, especially like just by hacking together stuff. It's like not like you like lose visibility on certain things. But yeah, that's definitely as Hexadecimal said, where auditing comes into play. Um, just auditing, especially PCI stuff. Just yeah, aid, audit, D. Those I mean, are important. Yeah. Or even just security audits in general, just as a cursory thing or having having uh, an idea, I guess, for asset management, something like that. Those are all things that come into play. I think the main point that I thought was interesting about that last story, though, was that that specific thing that admin admin was used as the credentials was named in the lawsuit. It wasn't just we lost our you know identities to these people. Yeah. The vulnerability that was pointed to, which is interesting. Lawyers know how to do uh, do slaps in the face, too, just like anybody else. <laughs> um so we're we're coming up on uh three minutes left until we're gonna do a little uh break um before we do our full interview with wirefall um but i kind of <clears> want <throat> to go for this last story here which is like the as uh <laughs> as risky business would say the skateboarding dog um this is samsung anyone's thumbprint can unlock a galaxy s10 phone nice um, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> that's, that's definitely an, an ultimate ultimate fail. But did you see also the pixel that's going to be put out? I think in a day or two, uh, the they removed the, the the fingerprint because they were so sure of their facial recognition. So you can't even do fingerprint, um, mm -hmm. and the facial recognition will identify you with your eyes closed. I don't know how anybody else here sleeps. But oh, yeah, what? Nice, nice. <laughs> the Google Pixel 4, which comes out in a day or two, uh, yeah, it will recognize you with your eyes closed on the facial recognition. That's really scary. That's, uh, a lot of yeah, people are going like, to have a lot of uh, games on their phone soon. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, uh, you know, the whole underdress thing where your know, phones are not supposed to unlock. You look like you're, you know, underdress, but you definitely are underdress and it opens up. Like, one of the things I like to do when I was, was like, working in uh, the last office I was, I was in, was like went up to a couple of people and uh, just showed them their phone and an unlocked phone. So this Thanks. is gonna be like a blessing for anybody who commits a crime and then gets investigated on a phone like that, right? Because they've had problems getting people to comply with fingerprints. <coughs> What do you need their fingerprint for? And you can just take a picture of their face in the interrogation well, the, room. The, the fingerprints isn't that yeah, big of an solves. issue either because you, you can be compelled to, to give your fingerprint. You can't be compelled to give your code. Um, that's right. uh, fourth versus fifth amendment. So, yeah. There's needles uh, in Australia as well that they're trying to push through at the moment where if you don't hand over your, uh, your passphrases to a phone or a computer, you just go to jail. Even if you're not under suspicion of a crime, so that's what the fuck? That's sketchy. <laughs> it's not a it's not a law yet, but uh, it'll be here soon. I mean, it's like a it's it's resisting arrest, but without the arrest component, I guess. Yeah, like you're resisting you're resisting a search. And what am I being searched for? Absolutely no reason. But yeah, fun it, times. Isn't isn't that the way it, it is in the UK? If if you refuse then you're guilty of what you were charged with i thought i read that well i, I hope so i mean I hope 
Didn't okay. Samsung have a problem with their last fingerprint reader too, that someone was able to like Xerox like a super detailed version of their thumb and then hold it up to the scanner and emulate the thumbprint with like a heat lamp or something like that? So uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they work with with anybody's finger if they worked that way too last. It's just interesting because there's a lot of technology that's gone into developing fingerprint readers, and then for some reason something happened where they just don't doesn't work anymore. Like the latex thumb, I would think that where they like they take the fingerprint and they use the uh, adhesive, and then like latex over the top of it to build like a mold, put it on, touch it. I'm pretty sure that that's still a thing. That's like. Yeah. It's like old spy tech, old spy movie technology. It's like seventies shit. Yeah. OG biometrics. <laughs> All right. Um. So we should take a quick break here. We'll be back, I guess, in like uh, like five or six minutes, and then um, we'll interview Wirefly. We're back. We're back. Yo. Hello. Yo. Back with Krebs. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, a, that sounds like a, a break. It sounds like a snare. It sounds like a train. So, hey, uh, what's up, everybody? We are here with Wirefall. What's good? Uh, everything or nothing. Your choice. <laughs> We're binary in this bitch. Cubits over here. Um, so one second. Um, all right, hey. So Firefall, hi. How are you? Uh, doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate being able to be on here. Uh, uh, look forward to uh, talking with some actual legitimate hackers. Computer hackers, real life. Hacking in real life. Yeah. Emotional twenty nineteen. Um, yeah. So. Um, I guess, do you want to just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and maybe talk a little bit about uh, DHA? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm Wirefall. Uh, I've been doing um, actually active penetration testing for uh, uh, since the mid-90s. Um, uh, the, the first 10 tests I was ever uh, uh, paid to do was actually two years before nmap so uh, that made me feel really old when i was looking that up um <laughs> yeah uh yeah the, right before nmap was published in uh in uh was it uh, frac i think it was frac um anyway uh i am uh uh the founder of dallas hackers association i'll go into that a little bit more later uh, I'm a board member of our local B-Sides, B-Sides DFW, which if you're in the area or even if you're not, uh, first Saturday of November, so November 2nd. Um, and now that I've told you that, we're sold out. Sorry. <laughs> Don't show up. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm also a the chief consultant of Telesploit. It's a, a side gig I have that uh, came from my uh, history in producing drop boxes for social engineering engagements. Um, and uh, Telesploit will be the training provider for uh, the North Texas ISSA Cybersecurity Conference 7 on, uh, I believe that's the 15th of November. Um, so I'll be doing a four-hour training there of uh, building out uh, uh, 
Raspberry Pis uh, as Dropboxes using Telesplate open source. We have a source version because we are built on open source. We completely support open source. Um, and this has been a source of uh, inspiration and consternation for me because uh, um, I have never uh, done at scale. Uh, we will we'll have 75 people in class, 75 Raspberry Pis, 75 uh, unique configurations. Um, and in a room that I found out just recently has six outlets. <laughs> so that will be a challenge. You have to have a lot of um, you really yeah. need one of those lots of power plugs plugged in lots of power plugs yeah fire hazards Make those but, breakers uh, work <laughs> i don't care if they do that's not my problem <laughs> um but uh yeah so uh, D dallas hackers association let's let's go in a little bit into that um dha we started uh, may 3rd 2013 uh that the inspiration for that came from two things one um, I did a lot of work in the state of Texas down in Austin. Uh, actually still involved in, in that, but at the time I was actually traveling down to Austin every week. And uh, there's a great group there called the Austin Hackers. You'll get different versions, whether it's association or anonymous. I think the, the consensus is anonymous, but aha. Uh, they were basically the first ha, the, the, the ha that spawned them all. And um, what I loved about that is, you know, I mean, these these people that were there at the time, you had H.D. Uh, Moore, you had R-Snake, um, I believe Druid, um, a bunch of really, you know, well-known folks, but they didn't want it to become a fanboy network. So it was come and present or don't come at all. Uh, you you could attend online and and participate in the forums and stuff and they would they would give you a pass but if you just lurked uh, you were persona non grata and uh, um, so it was really community oriented you know community driven you had to get up and talk everything was a fire talk it was ten minutes if you went over ten minutes they um, at the least would heckle you they may be physical violence um, the uh, but the majority of it was was that you know you participate, and um, I really liked that because what I saw up here in Dallas Fort Worth area was at the time very much uh, you know the the talking head, which that's fine, um, you know an hour hour and a half of one person talking on a subject. If you happen to like that subject, you're in luck. It's a good night. If it was PCI. Yes, and that's not your thing. Your night pretty much sucked. Um, <laughs> so, with the the talk aspect, is that you know, first of all, it's bring more of the community in. But also, if if something's bad, then it's bad for a very short period of time. Um, so, I just started up thinking. Basically, you know, there'd be maybe really my hope was there'd be a dozen, maybe two dozen people that would be really cool, and we could talk about cool shit kind of like what thug crowd here does you know you're, you're you're all having a good time you're all talking about stuff you enjoy um and that was my hope and and initially but it was it was uh, you know I, I i i got what i was asking for uh, uh they maybe a dozen people in the beginning um had some really good discussions in the very beginning it was me talking a lot because uh, you know there's only a dozen people um 
a lot of times folks ask me how, how you start the community type thing. And, and, and really it was um, one first, just do it. But the other was to a, a venue that had on Wednesdays, which we meet the first Wednesday of every month, free, I mean, not free, sorry. They had half price wings. So I bought lots of wings and I really think oh, yeah. Dallas association is successful because there were free wings. <laughs> um, that, makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, I, 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 an army marches on its stomach. So do hackers. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a really uh, but, point, uh, oh, sorry. You go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that I really appreciated that point where you're, where you're saying about getting people to be involved and stuff because doing community things like community relies on like, you know, interrelations and, having a community like you're saying trying to not not have just fanboys of, of different people kind of show up and try to mingle and and you know basically brown nose and try to get up in the scene or whatever you want to actually see people doing real things and actually presenting things and finding their passion and, and contributing to the like the betterment of the industry is a, a really like awesome way to build community yeah absolutely and I, I, I was not worried about the fanboy part here in Dallas because nobody gives a shit about me, but, um, but really of, of, of inculcating, uh, you know, bringing that to that. This is what you make it. This is your opportunity here. Here's a small group, local group, your friends, your, your colleagues, you know, get up and talk to them. Then the next steps we've seen people, multiple people come from DHA to other, they, they go out to our local DEF CON groups, or we have a, a number of other groups, North Texas Cybersecurity Group, um, Pwn School, uh, Phil Wiley, who I hope you will have on here shortly. Uh, I'll introduce you to him. Um, yeah. He's been with DHA since uh, the, the first meetup. Uh, he started Pwn School. Um, all these other groups, and then they go to those groups. They then go to our B-Sides DFW, talk and one of our our folks the uber kitten he's he came from dha to b-sides uh and has done defcon um you know so you just see this trajectory that it's launched from the local environment yeah that's awesome we have a question actually from the twitch chat uh melon clock asks any ideas on how to encourage group participation without just forcing people especially for newer folks Yeah, that, that's difficult. Uh, you know, um, AHA forces, uh, we, we call ourselves a kinder, gentler AHA, which Mothhead, who leads that now, will say that's bullshit. That doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> we say it does. But, um, and, and really, I don't know if there, there is an answer in that um, we really have probably a 40 to 50% turnover every month, even, even though we have between 100 and 150 people come out every month. Um, a large majority are the first time. And I think that's because uh, I had Tinkersec on here before and you know he can be a very vocal person. Uh, mm -hmm. He yells at people and tells them, here's your, here's your pass next time you're talking. <laughs> and I think they just don't. <laughs> so, uh, um, what's that? It can be intimidating though if you've never, never spoken. 
It, it can, and, and we have we have we have multiple modes. What what we do is um, when you have the sign up sheet, uh, uh, we started off with no sign up sheet because just holy cow, somebody's going to talk. Great. Um, now we have a sign up sheet because we have more talks than than we can actually uh, process for 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 one time. But the uh, it it says is your presentation less than ten minutes? The options are yes and yes because this is a fire talk. You don't have a choice. Um, and are you a first-time speaker? And we prioritize first-time speakers over uh, other people. Uh, so it's for, otherwise, it's first come, first serve, other, but we prioritize first-time speakers because we want new people to get involved. Um, and then there's a column for troll mode. For all of the organizers, myself, TankerSec, Whiskey Neon, uh, Commander OpSec, or, or a Lock Picks and Lipstick, Mobius, um, that's always on. Yeah, troll the hell out of us. But if you're a new speaker, um, you can choose that. And if, if we will honor that, if you say you, you, you just want to get up and talk and don't want anybody to say anything until it's Q&A, we'll respect that. Um, but given that, you know, I mean, just do it. Uh, we, we have uh, an individual who comes out to multiple of our local meetups that's from Tyler, a nearby uh, that somewhere near Tyler. That's multiple hours away. He's a high school kid, and he came out and he finally gave his first talk. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Showed code, did a live demo, which I mean, you know, yeah. seasoned presenters fear right live demo. demo. He, he did live demo. yeah, and it failed. It failed spectacularly. Um, he continued on talked about what it should have done, walked through the code, and absolutely amazing. Great, great job. You know, he's, uh, like I said, a high school kid. If, 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 if he can do it, uh, you can do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, you know, often think that being a first-time speaker, they don't have the content to necessarily show these people that have been, like, attending a lot, that they're a bit worried maybe, and I think, yeah, you're right. Just uh, that's what you got to do. Just do it. If you're going to stand up and talk about SQL injection or some BERT plugin or something that everybody already uses, the best thing you can really do is just be pretty clear. And it's 10 minutes, right? So what can you fit in 10 minutes? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just just be really clear and and get the things that you know out. The things that you know that you know you're right on. Don't don't try and get fancy. Just do it and get it. It'll be done. One thing that people can no, do like, too who are interested in like speaking about things that are relatively basic is speak to meetups that aren't uh, like hacker meetups. Like developers really want to hear about SQL injection. It's not obvious to them. And like that is both a public service and a good way to help you practice. Hell yeah. Well, and, and like Tinker always says uh, in the beginning is um, don't talk to the audience, talk to you. If you've written your first Python script, talk about that. Now, a lot of people tune out, but guess what? We have a 50% turnover rate. A lot of people might be interested. Um, if, if you're talking about something that's so elite, it's going to blow our brains. Um, go ahead. We'll go look it up later. You know, um, uh, talk to what you're doing, not to the audience. Don't, don't try to dumb it down or make it more elite. Um, we, we have, uh, uh, we call him our professor emeritus, Woody. Um, He's been coming since very, very early. He was, 
a pioneer in the old day. He, he wrote a, a paint program on five and a quarter inch floppies that he sold, right? <laughs> Freaking amazing. He, he, he actually man. brought in a, a, a cocoa color Commodore and, and, and demonstrated it at one point in time. But he wants to be relevant. And so he, while at DHA, learned Python, and he's also a ham op, uh, radio operator, he got a job through, I, I don't know, one of the, one of the you know, uh, social media type things to program because uh, a lot of these ham radios can be programmed via serial. So he wrote a Python program to automate the, the uh, frequency jumping of this radio and made money. That's awesome. He was happy as a clam. Yeah. And, 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 and he loves, he loves crypto and you know, you shouldn't roll your own crypto. Um, he does it anyway. And, and yes, if, if, uh, you know, could it be broken? Of, Of course, but he's demonstrating the things he's learning in the process yeah. of doing that. And that's all, yeah. that's all we're about. That's awesome. That's, that's a good point on roll your own crypto. Everyone does say don't roll your own crypto, which in production is a hundred percent true. Don't. Yeah. Like, but if it's for learning. Like, yeah. You're not going to, you're not using it to like replace signal. You're not using it to replace TLS, like screw around with it. Yeah. The only way to get good at anything is practice. Yeah, for sure. No one fucking started a language and knew, oh, it's worked right off. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, though, about, about having people just speaking to what they're learning and not being concerned about whether or not it's like the most elite thing. Because there are people that, like, there's tons of things that I would love to see a beginner course on by somebody who's just there, who's able to talk after to ask questions and say, hey, like I was trying to learn this too and I couldn't figure out this one thing and I gave up. And they might have the exact thing that you spent you know, weeks looking yep. through documentation and Stack Overflow, never found it, and they might just elucidate <clears throat> it to you. Like, yeah, that, that that's true. Like, moment, so that's really awesome. And yeah, that's, and that's <laughs> one of the things we encourage for speakers as well is, is it doesn't have to be a preso of what you've done. It could be what you're failing at and asking the group for recommendations yeah. you know I mean, we expect and, you've googled it that you've tried different things but anyway, you know where failing you... is the greatest experience absolutely because yeah. you learn the most from those and like people should stop seeing failure as bad mm-hmm. another thing you can do is if you're learning about a thing and you're excited about learning about a thing you could just tell everybody about what you're learning about and you that, that, that's what i do <laughs> If it's one of the very basic, you know, talks, let's say this is a hello world for Python and that person's very excited about it. Great. Um, and you're not because you're a Python guru. Um, we really are a, a, a mini con every month. So we have a, uh, a room for um, crypto party. So you can go in there and contribute to that. We have a room for lock picks, well, you know, lock sport. Uh, we have a CTF every right. month. That's nice. Um, we, yeah, so so you can go. Hey, I, this talks not for me. I'm going to go down here and hack for a while, or lock, pick some locks for a while, or go into the hallways, or go into one of the side rooms because we're in a k- Korean karaoke bar. It's freaking mm-hmm. cyberpunk awesome. Um, <laughs> and 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 have another conversation, or 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 you know, do something else. 
and then come back when the, the talk does interest you. We have, uh, you know, uh, video streams, not always, uh, we've had some issues, but usually video streams into the other rooms so you can uh, watch there. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. Um, Do you know a lot of people giving the exact same talks, like different people giving the exact same talks on the same topics? Uh, not, not really. We, we, we've had the same people within the community give talks at multiple venues. So like our local DEF CON group, North Texas Cybersecurity, Dallas Hackers, giving a very similar talk or the same talk. That does happen. Um, really haven't had collisions on a night uh, or even that I can remember within a time frame at DHA. So that that's really cool though. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that's one. That's it's a good thing to share, like what what you're doing. I think that's what we try. I guess yep. that's kind of what kind of happens here. Like we 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 share stuff. I guess. I yeah, yeah. Like, at most share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard though sometimes because. To, to get people to to really feel comfortable sharing, it's like you have to create that sort of welcoming vibe yeah, or a vibe that's like a tough love vibe. Like, oh. hey, you're going to share. You might fuck it up, but we're still going to love you. We're going to eat wings, like whatever. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that like people like, uh, uh, it's not hard to do that. You know, it's not like it doesn't cost definitely that. A, a, a couple of things. I think the challenges that that one is, and then uh, uh, in the, uh, the Twitch uh, pixel kicker asked, uh, how do you pay for the venue? How did you find the venue? I think the two most difficult things as an organizer. Um, one is venue, honestly. It, it's mm -hmm. very much so. It's it's very difficult to find a good venue. Uh, the uh, uh, we we met at a local bar just because it was a local bar to me. Uh, we went. I I was driving by like the day or two before our next meetup. And noticed the plywood over the doors. <laughs> <laughs> closed we had to find another place that place was fantastic we were starting to outwit uh but actually one of our, our first rule of dha uh for anybody who's been there they know it they recite it back is don't hack the venue and the reason we have that is because we were kicked out of a venue uh that second one um the the we were actually allowed back uh, I was not there. It was one of two of the 77 meetups we had that I, I, I could not attend. Uh, um, and the owner said, you have to promise me that this will never happen again. They actually had credit card fraud committed. Uh, they, it was uh, um, from when we were there. It was, they had an open wireless network with unpatched windows 95 i'm like hey boy. i cannot guarantee i cannot guarantee this will not happen I, if, if i were a malicious actor i would be waiting for the hacker group to come to do this to cover my tracks um but you're just lucky this doesn't happen on a daily basis so we had to move uh, we found this fantastic venue uh like i said uh family karaoke this korean karaoke bar um but the venue is incredibly difficult um when you get that uh, that's that's golden uh, other so though which, had, which uh, you were bringing what, go what ahead. i heard from that was, was that uh you should wait until defcon to go where to where all the hackers are to do your dirt from DEFCON. absolutely they'll never catch you yeah that's amazing <laughs> absolutely that's, it's a rule for everyone 
No, I um, often wonder but, if but the other one were, like security people specifically gear like, up honeypods before that time, before DefCon happens, to try and catch people specifically hacking the casinos. I'd say definitely. I would. The, the, the other one, though, that, that bridging the gap of new versus seasoned um, is really difficult. And, and it was actually one of the, the, the things that, that pushed me to start BHA, which was um, there were other groups that felt very exclusive that, you know, you come in and you're just you're not part of it. You can tell it's a click. They you know, there's these established relationships. Um, that's fine, but you don't feel necessarily completely welcome. Um, bridging that gap, you know, uh, straddling, not bridging, straddling that gap of you, you want to be completely inclusive. You want everyone to feel welcome. But yeah. The only reason they're going to come back, the only reason they're going to come back is that it's something special that they feel in or some sort of specialness or of being friend. part of the group. Sorry, what was that? I said, or they had friend that we're already going. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To to introduce them, but but otherwise, you know, um, what you want is to be inclusive, but at the same time, somewhat exclusive because it has to seem special. Oh, if it's of not course. special, you know, why would it be anything? So you need Just to like have the website joke. invite only gather like more attention. People envy something that is that is close. Yeah, uh, Tinker always jokes that how, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get 150 people there. And he's like, how the hell did you find out about this? We only advertise on the dark web, meetup.com. <laughs> <laughs> <Dot com. laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. But that's difficult. And I, I think, I, I, I hope, and the feedback I've received has been that we've successfully done that, uh, that we're very welcoming. Uh, that, you know, yeah. people of all backgrounds feel very welcome there, but also that you want to come back because it does That's a bad feel stigma like around the community. Yeah, well, you feel like you finally found that beacon that, that you know, you aren't alone. Oh, for sure. But there's the, a thing that I kept saying, like, that's exactly what the go government want, that people fear each other, stay in their corner, they won't share. They... I think uh, people should restart, like, experiencing, not trusting people, but I don't know. A lot of people won't, won't even share a file because they're scared. We, we, I, I know we've had, I mean, we've actually had a presentation at DHA by, by the FBI. I, I got a lot, of, a lot of flack from that, you know, oh, um, but, but, but honestly, yeah, uh, but honestly, I, I would rather them engaging us than not engaging us uh, because otherwise True. we won't know. True. Um, yeah, so, if you they know, did want to spy, they wouldn't go like talk directly to you. That will blow up the cover. Yeah. But also, <laughs> what if you work there? Like, so say you were at, you work at the FBI, and you're obviously interested in computer, and you live locally. Sounds like a great place to go. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and, and uh, we, you know, we, we do the, the same mantra that all hacker groups do is, you know, don't, don't talk about illegal shit. Everything you did, you did with permission or on your own network. Um, uh, Tinker always does the look left, look right, look left. That person's uh, an FBI agent that's trying to make their metrics look to your right. That's a black hat hacker that just wants to get into your network. That's why he's set next to you. Um, you know, you, you really need to keep up your, 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 uh, OPSEC, but but otherwise, I don't ask. I don't care. Just don't incriminate. I don't want to know illegal shit. But do we have white hats? Lots of them. Do we have black hats? Absolutely sure of it. Do we have FBI? Yes. Um, share information. That's all I give a shit about. Honestly, all this ad bull, all this ad thing is pure bullshit. I say people just change it. It's a matter of the situation. Circling back, yeah, though, I think that idea that you're talking about about like community is one of the most important things with these you know, hacker meetups. It's it's pretty amazing. And and, and the value that uh, the the one recommendation you know I, I I get a lot of new people coming up and asking how do I get into this industry, and uh, it's difficult for me because I I, I came from very long ago when nobody was doing this. And so, I mean, the, the, the logical answer would be, well, invent a time machine, go back to the dot-com boom and you're good. Um, but realistically, because now there's like, you can get a PhD in cybersecurity. It, it blows my mind. Um, but they are doing the number one thing. You're here, you're, you're at a local meetup. You know, I, 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 I preach networking all the time, not Cisco kind, but, you know, actual person kind. Um, I've seen so many people's successful careers launched through these local meetups um, because when it really comes to security, I, I think one of the um, I think we, we might go into some social engineering stuff uh, later, which I, I, I have this 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 idea about. But really. I sell trust. Uh, I'm decent at what I do, but I'm I'm not elite like uh, many hackers. You know, I'm not daily creating zero days. But you can trust me. My background, honestly, is uh, my background is military law enforcement. Um, my my sale is that here I can do these things, and you can trust me. Now here's somebody else that can produce a zero day, you know, every week that also is on all of these, you know, uh, Carter sites or whatever. Do you trust them in your network? That's your call. It's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't trust them. But that's your call. I, I deal in trust. A lot of security is based on trust. Yeah. It's just a matter of the you get to know, people that you get to know personally that you've seen present that you've had a beer with, that you've talked intimately with, you know who you trust. And when you have a position, that's who you're hiring. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So we, we did mention so, uh, social engineering a little bit ago and, and Dropboxes. Do you want to expand a little bit about what that is and, and how that's how those are used? Um, and then just social engineering we can talk about throughout. Sure. Uh, well, I, actually, I, I got into building Dropboxes because I I, I hate social engineering. Um, it, it's very 
trivial. Like, you know, you've, you've had uh, a tanker sec on, you've had Jack Hyde on, you've had, I commit felonies on, um, it, it, it's trivial to succeed at this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trivializing their capabilities, but they, they, they have commented, you know, about how easy it is to accomplish many of these things. And, uh, um, I have stories similar where, you know, it's just basically shooting fish in barrels, but it always still bothered me, uh, I, that, that social interaction part. So drop boxes were a way for me to, I can get in quickly, uh, then I can put this box in there and get out and not have to deal with people again. Cause that's the part I didn't want to do. Um, and initially, so, so initially they were surreptitious drop boxes, um, that, you know, you didn't want them to be discovered. They wanted to, you wanted them to blend in. Um, I would, uh, build these out in the very beginning with a, uh, Wi-Fi pineapple. I think it was gen two cause it had the, the two, uh, ethernet ports, which allowed for a perfect bridge. Um, and then, um, my preferred uh, encasement hiding uh, uh, spot would be within a a printer, uh, sorry, a copier surge suppressor because they're fairly large. Um, you can get these new for like three, four hundred dollars, or on eBay for twenty bucks. Uh, and all you have to do is find out what kind of copiers the organization is using, and you can get one of those. I can almost guarantee you on on eBay. Um, so you get a Canon, you get a icon, you get whatever they're using. Uh, you pull out all the innards cause you don't care about surge suppression. Um, route the power across all of the, 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 the power plugs, just in case they plug anything in. And then instead of the phone surge suppression, which they have, or the ethernet one, you, uh, um, you basically go straight through from one port to the other port and the Wi-Fi pineapple. Um, so you get behind the copier, all you have to do is, you know, get in there often they're in the, the coffee break room. So you, uh, you get in there, you unplug the, the, the copier, plug it into this, it's plugged into the wall, unplug its ethernet, plug it into this, plug another ethernet cable from the other port into the wall. And the beauty of these things is I don't care what company it was again, Canon, Icon, uh, uh, uh Fujitsu all of them in giant letters said, do not plug without authorization. Do not unplug without authorization. Um, <laughs> nobody's going to touch this. Uh, and now it's yes. transmitting. I did have it on it with a 3G dongle. So now it's transmitting. You don't even have to get past the firewall. Um, you can go in uh, out of band and you're on the network. Uh, and most of those copiers aren't going to support NAC or, or any of that. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, and that, that's really where the Dropbox, uh, uh, where I got into Dropboxes was because it allowed me, if I could get in, I could get in quickly, I can place this and I can get out. I don't need to hang around. Uh, you know, Tinker had his, his great story about being the, the uh, sprinkler uh, investigator and spent hours there. I've, I've spent hours behind uh, uh, customer lines. I've spent, I've actually spent entire weeks there my preference is get in post this get out <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool uh one of the things that i like about uh you get a yellow jacket get in get out they've uh they've added a nice feature everywhere called power over ethernet so uh, dropbox is oh absolutely be... yeah yeah no, so, so all, all of that um the experience I've been doing that for about eight years. Um, I, I developed uh, 
this uh, solution based on being a pen tester for so long. Uh, I tra I've traveled a lot uh, for uh, there was a year and a half time span where it was every day I was flying out on Sunday afternoon, flying back Friday night, basically do laundry on Saturday, uh, you know, kiss the wife and kids and, and go on. Um, that sucks. Uh, there is a, depending on who you listen to, a very low to negative unemployment rate in this field. Uh, how do you, so as a company, how do you attract people to work for you? Um, I know how you'd attract me. You'd pay me lots of money and I wouldn't have to travel. <laughs> you know, so uh, the concept behind Telesplate was solving all the problems from a rem uh, pen test perspective of doing internal pen tests remotely. And that included the out-of-band management, uh, you know, remotely changing configurations because the clients will never give you the right information the first time, all, all this other stuff. So we developed that and we've, because we're built on open source, we also have given back and you can go to GitHub slash Telesploit. There's an open source version. It'll be updated here shortly because I've, 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 I've found some issues while doing this uh, uh, training um, stuff for North Texas ISSA, uh, but uh, you can build your own for your <coughs> personal use or for a small to medium business that you have, uh, you know, a Dropbox that you can basically use. You can put it on a Pi. You can, uh, we use a uh, basically a Intel Nook platform is our our platform of choice, um, and you now send a box. You you don't need to go there. And how? Most organizations will use, many organizations will use a pen test resource to do like, let's say multiple external pen tests at the same time, double, triple dipping. Um, you couldn't do that with internal because you had to actually be on site. But now you can actually do, you know, <clears throat> three different clients or one client with let's say four different locations. We're doing that right now uh, with with a customer where they have four different locations, but one, one, one tester is doing all four locations. Um, what I really like about the idea though, is, is when you start talking about red teaming, um, of, of red teaming from the perspective of bringing in experts to do one specific thing. And now you can have one deployment and you can bring in your best database person, your best web app person, your best, you know, uh, uh, network protocol person, uh, and all put them all on the same device. To, to do a single hmm. test without having them on site. That's awesome. So I did want to ask you something. We, we, we only have about 12 minutes left. And I kind of, I really wanted your sort of, uh, your perspective on on how things have changed since you started here. So you, you're saying that you did your first pen test in what, 1995? As soon as you started getting into that? Yep. That's, that's a long- In 1995, yeah, it was about 95, yeah. So, I, I mean, just from your perspective, I guess, since you are now seeing and you're actively involved in communities where you're seeing a lot of like young, young hackers coming up now, um, people getting into this sort of field, like what, what are some of the most striking things, I guess, that you've seen in your career as far as like anything goes from security to community? Just kind of want a little bit of perspective on that. Sure. Well, I think number one, we already touched on of uh, the, you know, before just, I, I was able to get into it because just nobody was doing it. My my background, I, I, I had a history in computers. 
um, back in the eighties, uh, as a kid, you know, with dial up, uh, acoustic couplers and uh, figuring out random didn't mean random and basic and killing everybody in Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of stuff to, uh, getting out of the military and coming back, uh, from Europe. I was stationed over there for four years and everybody was talking about how the web was going to just change everything. I didn't know about it. I, I, I hadn't, I'd been offline basically for four years. And uh, so I get a local dial-up account with an ISP. And what do you do? You just start poking around. And literally every single person that was connected, you could connect to their hard drive. It was like, a, the no, this is, gonna, this is not going to take <clears throat> off if this is what you can do. And uh, um, I was wrong. It did exponentially, regardless of the infrastructure. Um, but uh, so I, I started out just really wanting to secure myself, you know, um, and trying to learn how to how to do that. And from that, it was because it was the dot com boom, I could not just spell security, I could just say it. And you were an expert. I mean, the, my first my first consulting gig uh, you know, I, I came through the ranks, but my first consulting gig, I was sold as one of the quote preeminent security resources. And no, I, I just didn't want people to connect to my hard drive, <laughs> connect to my ISP. It's, you know, I mean, there was, there just, there were no magazines other than 2600 and frack. There was no dedicated, you know, you didn't have all these information security groups. So that's been a huge change. Um, you know, you, you can get a PhD now in cybersecurity. Now, is that a valid thing? Uh, uh, I think there are, are, are good uses of that, but I, I, I know a PhD, I, not a PhD, sorry. I know a person with a master's in cybersecurity that I've, I've had to um, review documents because they don't know how IP addressing works. Hmm. Excellent. Um, now, I'm not saying that's necessary, uh, you know, you, 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 in cybersecurity uh, masters, but it seems like it would be something you would learn. Um, so, you know, there, there's definitely things we're losing in the conceptualizing of security rather than the actual technical side. Yeah. Um, but to, to get short, uh, I know we're running out of time. Um, the one thing I do constantly say uh to these people to, to, to new people or, or to anyone wanting to get into this industry is don't <clears throat> get into don't get into infosec um bring something to infosec <laughs> um, fucking right that's awesome yeah that's so you all have specialties bring your specialty whether whether it's it's sysadmin or programming or 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 and and focus on the new technologies because guess what you're going to run circles around me in cloud you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn, but, um, you know, if that's your native environment, you're going to do so much better than me trying to learn it. So, yeah, uh, you know. And that's why yeah. I love new shit. Like, it's boring to always do the same shit. Yeah. There's a lot of ground to cover, and that's a really good perspective with, with people, because there's people that come from, a lot of talk about diverse backgrounds and people saying that, I could never be, you know, X, Y, or Z because I was previously like ABC. Like those things are completely like intermingleable. Like you can totally take any background and, you know, anything that you've done as a side project, anything you've done as a hobbyist and take that and apply it in completely unexpected ways, which is like what hacking is in general. So, but 
Yeah, that's, you you that's you, you can have a degree in psychology and be a much better than social engineer than me. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I guess um, I guess we have a few minutes left. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or, or shout out to before we get going? Uh, I I will uh, send back the love to uh, I, I I did listen to the uh, the the Tinker Sec broadcast and send back love to to him. I'm so glad he's part of our Dallas Library <laughs> Association organization. Um, we we're really really lucky here in in DFW. I I, I don't know where each of you are located, but uh, I've, I've been into a lot of areas, and you know you you can usually find something security related wherever you go but uh we we have a overflow of i mean i i go to five to six meetups a month and i can go to two to three times more but i i have a life (laughs) um it's fantastic here we're just so lucky in dfw if you're anywhere in this area and you've not come out uh, please do yourself a favor and uh, do us the favor and come out and, 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 and learn us. That's awesome. That's really oh, yeah. inspiring to hear too, because there's a lot of people that, that, you know, want to find those sort of things in the area. And it's a lot of it just comes down to like you making it, you know, like you creating it. And it's cool to see, you know, or hear from you, your perspective on how this sort of communities get built like organically. And that's awesome. That's really inspiring. Well, and we did, we, we, yeah, we did. We did make it. That's the thing is, is if you don't see exactly what you want, not necessarily exactly support, support your community. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, but if there's something that you're not seeing in your community, somebody else is not seeing that too. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so build it. And, uh, you know, um, they may or may not come, but if you offer free wings, there's a good chance they will. <laughs> That's always a plus. Hell yeah. Um, all right, so um, should be getting off in a second. Is anybody else anything to say before we get going? I want to hear um, uh, Zira's story, it's just just as a as an outro. Sure. All right, gather around, kids and skids, while I dox myself. Um, back in the day, we had these things, as we discussed earlier today, called dial-up computers, and uh, we didn't have ISPs. We had local BBSs. Um, if you called a local number, just like any other phone number, you didn't get charged. If you called long distance numbers, you did. Um, it wasn't later until my BBS career that I found out about redialers and blue boxes and the things that you could do to call uh, long distance BBSs. So um, we called up, my cousin and I, uh, we both had computers. I didn't have a modem, he did. Um, I would go to his house and beg him to use his computer. Uh, we guessed his dad's password. We would get on there and we would dial up the local BBS that we had. We found a text file that had a ton of different numbers for other BBSs in them. We didn't really fully understand the machinations of calling a French BBS uh, and seeing all kinds of text files in French or whatever and not, you know, fully understanding what was on the screen or whatever. We dialed all these numbers and we eventually got onto some Finnish BBS that had a bunch of English text files. And the, the rumor at the time was that the anarchist cookbook was specifically written to, uh, to blow people up. And there was another one that was an Amiga disc that was called the Jolly Roger cookbook. And it was supposed to be the real version of that. So on this finished BBS long distance, my cousin and I spent however many hours downloading this like 275 page text file. And we decide that we're going to make um, uh, plastic explosive in his backyard. 
so we live out in the rural uh, the rural countryside we didn't uh we didn't do the directions correctly either and uh as we were sticking the uh packing peanuts down into the gasoline that was mixed with oil next to his dad's tractor uh we wired up the battery from the tractor directly and then like a string over top of the tree to, uh, to put the hot wire in. We stood back as far as we could and we dropped that wire, huge explosion. The tractor blows up, the tree comes up rooted, glass all blown out in the side of his house. Every cop and sheriff, local FBI agent in town come to his parents' house. We're like swatted out, we're laying on the ground. They interrogated us for like all these hours. The whole time his dad's computer is still connected to this Finnish BBS. Um, after all these hours of interrogation, they completely believed that we were some sort of foreign terrorists. We were like 10, 12 year old kids at this point. And they were asking us all these wild questions and they were hundred percent sure. And uh, they, they interrogated us with and without our parents for hours and hours. And eventually they, they had told us they were going to give us all these felony charges and all this stuff. And eventually a lawyer showed up and said, these kids are minors. You really can't charge them, but they're going to be on watch list forever. And uh, that's the story of how my cousin and I weren't allowed to see each other for the next 12 years and how I had to pay a $600 phone bill uh, to Finland to download a text file. Oh, yeah. Dude. That's another Jolly Rogers better. Shout out to the bad kids on BBSs. Hell, yeah. That was a great story. We'll have to uh, have that as some special feature or something. That was really good. That's awesome. <laughs> So I'm really glad that we're uh, we have our local terrorists uh, on, on the call. <laughs> um, so you have too many white hats on this show. You get you got to represent both sides, you know. <laughs> um, so we won't be on next week. We'll be preparing for the Chopped Hackathon, which I updated in the show notes the submission page. So if you've not signed up and you would like to <coughs> sign up for it, uh, if you are not uh, into coding or you just want to see other people suffer, you can um, submit your ideas for the challenges as well. Um, and shout to uh, Wirefield. Thanks so much for coming on and hanging out with us. Um, Hell yeah. Who came in and hung out. Thanks for having me. Um, and so, yeah, we won't be on um, next week, but we will see you, uh, I guess, for the 24 hour stream. So uh, we'll see you then. Good night, Say everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. night. And also, yeah, shut the fuck up and get a lawyer and get a blue box for your PBS. Okay.